in this season of Lent, we're on a journey with Jesus to the cross. Along the way, we'll be encountering Jesus in many ways, through prayer, fasting, giving, and the power of his word. The people seeking Jesus in the gospels were not that different from us. Each one coming to him to be transformed, to seek healing, restoration, or to find out what it means to be a disciple. Jesus changed the life of every person he met and encountering him will change you too. Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus that night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, there's a great, a great passage. And Jesus, one of his disciples named Philip, came to him and he said, Lord, show us the Father. For that is all that we need. That will be enough for us. And Jesus looks at his disciple Philip and he says this. He says, don't you, know, Phil, don't you know me, Philip, even though you've spent such a long time with me? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. When we have seen Jesus, we have seen God the Father. Jesus is fully human, but he is fully God. Everything he did was a, as we read in Hebrews, was a perfect representation of who God is. When we have seen Jesus, 
We have seen God. And friends, as we begin this series called Encountering Jesus, we're going to be looking at different encounters that Jesus had with a variety of different people throughout the four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in those encounters, never forget that we are seeing God. We don't have to ask who God is. We see him, and he reveals himself to us through Jesus Christ. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at a variety of encounters, and I want to invite you to enter into those stories. Now, some of them, like the encounter this morning, are going to be ones that you might be very familiar with. Let me assure you, there is more to learn. Let me assure you that God wants to use this very encounter to transform your life today. And so every week as we go to these encounters with Jesus, we come asking God to transform us through his eternal truth. Even though I have studied this passage many times over the years, God is always showing me more. Not just in the truth that I read in John 13, but in how that truth intersects and connects with the details and the circumstances of my life. You see, we don't come to the word just to learn a story. We come to the word to be transformed by the presence of God through his eternal word. Amen? And so we come with that perspective here today. I love this encounter. I love this story because here comes a man named Nicodemus. And he comes to Jesus at night. Now, there's a lot said about that. Why did he come at night? And some people speculate it's because he doesn't want anybody to know that he's coming to see Jesus. Because there are many in the religious community, even at this time, that were suspect of Jesus and, and even hated him. But Nicodemus comes at night. Nicodemus is probably more than twice the age of Jesus. He is a very learned man. He's a scholar. He's described here immediately as a Pharisee. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. A Pharisee is somebody who spent their life studying the scriptures and learning how to apply it to life. Now the scriptures at that time obviously were, was the Old Testament. And so they spent a great deal of time studying, discussing, teaching, learning about how the laws of God can be applied in the everyday circumstances of life. We look at that and we say, that's extraordinary. How wonderful. How amazing. Because that's how we should live as well. In fact, if you were to just look at all the people who lived at the time of Jesus, you would think that Jesus would be most happy with the Pharisees. Here was the problem. They were so caught up in their religion. They were so caught up in their intellect. They were so caught up in what they were doing that they didn't even recognize God when he stood in their midst. Now, friends... 
that should frighten us. It should frighten us that we can learn all these things about, about God and yet not even recognize him when he's standing in our midst. These were the Pharisees. These were the Pharisees. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, but he was even more than a Pharisee. We read on. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He was part of what we call the Jewish Sanhedrin. See, he had risen up the ranks. And if you were part of the Jewish Sanhedrin, you had really arrived. This was the ruling class. They were the ones who established the laws for Israel within the context of the teachings of the rule of the Roman Empire. They were also the group of people that oversaw the Jewish, the Jewish courts. So here is a man who is educated. Here's a man who is successful. Here's a man who is very religious. Here's a man who has great power, and here's a man that Jesus is going to challenge. Here's a man that Jesus is going to say, you have missed it. There is so much more, and here's what you need. Friends, I hope that we come understanding that Jesus has a challenge for us this morning as well. I hope that we have come this morning in what may be for some of you very familiar scripture. And I hope you have come this morning to say, God, what is it that you want to say to me? Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. Nicodemus is being very flattering of Jesus. We know that you're a man who has come from God. He calls him rabbi, which means good teacher, good teacher. Now, here is one of the great teachers in all of Israel, saying to Jesus, this man that is probably more than half his, or less than half his age, you are a rabbi, you are a good teacher. Listen to what he says. You have come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. So it seems like Nicodemus has heard the teaching of Jesus. It seems like Nicodemus has probably seen at least a miracle of Jesus or has heard about the miracles of Jesus, which has been seen by some of the religious community. He says, we know that you must come from God. But Jesus is not going to allow Nicodemus to have this academic discussion with him. He's not going to allow Nicodemus to flatter him. He is going to go right to the heart of the matter. And he's immediately going to challenge Nicodemus. And he is immediately going to challenge us. Because you see, there may be some here this morning, some listening online, for whom they say, Jesus did come from God. Jesus was a great teacher. But it ends there for them. He's just a great teacher to them. Jesus will not allow us to do that. He is more than a great teacher. He is more than one that was sent from God. He is God in human flesh. 
When we have seen Jesus, we have seen God the Father. And Nicodemus needs to understand this. And Jesus loves Nicodemus enough to break through the pride and to tell Nicodemus what he needs to hear. And so listen to these four clarifying claims that we see this morning in the conversation, the encounter that Jesus has with Nicodemus. First of all, he tells him that only those who are born again will see the kingdom of God. <clears throat> only those who are born again will see the kingdom of God. Well, you're going to see here that Nicodemus doesn't even understand what Jesus is saying. So Nicodemus understands that he is not born again. So here is Jesus telling Nicodemus, this powerful intellectual, that he is lacking something and he is not seeing the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the rule of God. It is his government in this world. It is the kingdom of God. And the Lord wants us to see what God is doing. The Lord wants us to join him in what he is doing. The Lord wants our eyes to be open that we may see the kingdom of God, that we may understand what it is that God is wanting to say to us. So here's what Jesus says. After all of this flattery, after all these nice things Nicodemus has said about him, Jesus replies, very truly I say to you. Whenever Jesus says, very truly I say to you, or some of your translations might be, verily, verily, whenever you read that, what it, Jesus is about to say is of extraordinary importance. Nicodemus, listen to what I have to say. Nicodemus, receive what I have to say. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Nicodemus' response is one that betrays his lack of understanding of the kingdom of God. For he says, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. So he's trying to keep this on a very safe intellectual level. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So what is it that Jesus is saying. This is an extraordinary teaching. The word again in born again, hear this, can be translated as from above. He is saying to Nicodemus, unless you are born from above, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless you are born spiritually, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. With all of your religion, Nicodemus, with all of your intellect, Nicodemus, with all of your status, Nicodemus, you have missed it. You have missed it. So what does Jesus mean when he says born again? What does he mean when he says born from above? Well, we read in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, one of many that describe our need as human beings. You see, all the way back in Genesis, 
God had warned the man and the woman that if they eat the forbidden fruit, they will surely die. Now, death becomes, physical death becomes a reality of humanity. But even more than that, there is a spiritual death that happens. And that happened, that we are all born into. And we see this in Ephesians 2. Listen carefully to what this is teaching. The Apostle Paul writes, because of his great love for us, because of the great love that God has for us, and God is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions, in our sins. Before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, I was dead in my sins, spiritually dead, and so were you. My ability to know God, to see God, to comprehend God, my ability to understand God wasn't there. Now, back then, and I've shared this with you, I went to church because of a girl I liked, and I never understood anything they were talking about. It never really mattered to me. I mean, I could tell a few of the stories. I didn't go to church much, but I could understand a few of the stories, at least the facts, but I didn't comprehend what God was saying through these stories. I didn't comprehend what God was saying to me through these stories. And then when I believed that night that I chose to be a follower of Jesus, when I chose to be his disciples, when I chose, when I understood the depth of my despair, the depth of my sin, and my need for salvation, and I gave my life to Jesus. I remember that very night I went to a sermon, and it was like I was hearing something I'd never heard before, and my spirit could not get enough of it. The next morning I began to read the Bible for myself, and I couldn't get enough of it. In fact, I began in the Gospel of John, and I couldn't get enough of it. Because what happened? My spirit had come alive. I could now see and begin to comprehend the kingdom of God. I came spiritually alive. And that's what happens when we come to faith in God through faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying to Nicodemus and to all of us, we need to be born spiritually from alive, uh, from above. And friends, when he says here in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins, when you are dead, you cannot resuscitate yourself. When you are dead, you cannot come alive yourself. It is something, as we'll see in a moment, that only God can do for us. And so, Nicodemus, you're missing it. Nicodemus, you don't see it because you need to come alive spiritually. You need to be born from above. You need to be born again. It's an amazing truth. How can someone be born again? Well, we're going to see that in just a moment. But first, I want you to see the second point, And that is this. Only God, only God can give spiritual life. Only God can do it. I can't do it for myself. Only God can do that. Only God can give life to what is dead. Only God can resurrect my spirit 
as it was intended that I may commune with God, that I may know God. Friends, just like Nicodemus, we need to be born from above. And I want you to see what we learned from Nicodemus. It's not going to happen just because we're religious. It's not going be, to happen just because we sit in a church and we listen to sermons. It's not going to happen even just by reading the Bible. All of that is good. We can become great scholars of the Bible and never come alive spiritually. We need to be born from above. In a moment, I'll tell you how that happens. But we need to be born from above by the work of God in our hearts and our lives. It doesn't happen just through religion. It doesn't happen as Nicodemus would find just by being good. And friends, he was good in a way that I don't think we can actually even understand. This was a man serious about the laws of God and about obeying God. It's not going to happen through success. It's not going to happen through serving in the church. It's not going to happen through education. It's not going to happen through your intellect. It can only happen because God works in our hearts and our minds and brings life to us. It only happens through him. So what does it mean to come alive spiritually? What does it mean? It means that we begin to see ourselves as God sees us. It means that we begin to see the world as God sees the world. It means that we understand the depth of our sin, but we understand that the mercy and grace of God is greater yet and that we are forgiven for all. It means that we no longer hide from God, but we run to God. It means that we understand the gifts that God has given to us to make an eternal difference in this world. It means that we understand that we worship a God of the possible that can do anything that he wants to do in us and through us. It means that we begin to experience real transformation in our lives. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we battle against the old nature, but we come alive spiritually so that more and more and more we are reflecting the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness of Jesus Christ himself because we are being changed, we are being transformed by the work of God, by his Holy Spirit that now lives in us so that we more and more are looking like the character of Jesus. Friends, that's extraordinary. Who wouldn't want that? And so this is a work that has to happen by God. Listen to what we read here in verses 5 to 8. Very truly, I tell you, again, Nicodemus, I beg you to hear this. Nicodemus, I beg you to understand this. Very truly, I tell you, no one can come to the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. What does that mean? Well, there's a lot of discussion about that verse, but I think the best explanation is G 
Jesus is reminding um, Nicodemus of a passage in the Old Testament that Nicodemus as a scholar would be familiar with. It's Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 and 26. Here is the future promise of what God is going to do. Listen to this. Way back when Ezekiel lived as a prophet of God, God gave him this understanding of what he was going to do in the future. This is talking about the result of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to what we read. I will sprinkle, this is God speaking. He's speaking of that future day. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. What does it mean to be clean? It means to be holy, to be forgiven. Only God can do that. I will cleanse you from all of your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and put a new spirit in you. That's what it means to be born again, born from above. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, imagine a heart of stone. What does that look like? A stone. A stone is dead. A stone has no life. A stone is something that we can't relate to. It's just something that's dead. And what is God going to do? He's going to replace that heart of stone with a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh is a heart that lives. It's a heart that is alive. And he's going to put a new spirit in us so that we may be born anew from above. So that we may be born again. Do you see that? It's amazing. It's extraordinary. And then he says, flesh gives birth to flesh, right? Flesh, your body, gives birth to flesh. I know that because I have three children. And flesh gives birth to flesh. But the spirit, see this? Let me give it to you. But the spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives birth to spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes us spiritually alive. It's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes to reality, to what is truly true, what is really real. It is God who does that. And then third, we see this. Here's how we experience this. Here is how we can come alive spiritually. This is how our heart of stone can be replaced with a heart of flesh. Here is how God has planned it so that this can become a reality for us. To be born again requires faith, belief in Jesus. But to reject faith in Jesus is to bring condemnation upon ourselves. Let's hear what Jesus says in this very familiar passage. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. Now, this goes back to the book of Exodus. And here's what happened. God had miraculously saved the people. He had saved them from their year, hundreds of years of slavery and bondage to Egypt. 
And God had brought them out into the desert where he provided for them day after day after day. Manna from heaven, water to drink in the midst of a desert. And he led them on their journey. But the people complained. The people complained. God was incensed. So he allowed a plague of poisonous, venomous snakes to infiltrate, to infiltrate their camp. And these snakes began to bite people, and they began to die, and the people began to cry out. And they said, Moses, intercede for us. Moses, ask God to make this stop. And so God instructed Moses to put a bronze snake on a pole and to hold that pole and to tell the people that if they will look upon that bronze snake, they will be saved from the venom of the snakes. And so all who believed the word of God looked upon that pole, that, that bronze snake that Moses was holding in the air, and they were saved. So now listen to what he says. Just as Moses lifted the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's not talking about being exalted. He's talking about being crucified. Those who will be saved are those who will believe the word of God and focus upon the man, the son of man, the son of God, who's been lifted upon that cross. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now, I want to be very careful here. Jesus later in the Gospel of John defines eternal life. Eternal life is not living forever. I mean, that can be good, but if you're living forever in a horrible circumstance, you don't want to live forever. So what is living, what is eternal life? Jesus says, now this is eternal life, John 17, that you may know the Father and you may know the Son whom he sent. He defines eternal life in the language of relationship. A relationship that we can only know once we come spiritually alive and we can see the kingdom of God. So he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him, in Jesus. Not on our own. Not by our religion. Not by our intellect. Not by our success. Not by our achievements, not even by our serving, but by Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Eternal relationship with the living God. Eternal relationship with the one who loves you more purely, more powerfully, that anybody in this world has ever loved you or could ever love you. And then he says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. 
as God provided salvation from those who had been bitten by the venomous snakes, so God has lifted up his son on a cross so that we who believe in him might come alive spiritually and might in this world and might have eternal life. Friends, the second part is true as well. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. uh, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Friends, there may be some of you hearing online or here today who have never opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You've done the religion thing, but it's left you empty. You've done the success thing, and it's left you discontent. Jesus offers the solution to what you're looking for. And only he can do that. Life is in him, in him alone. He's the one who can give life to your spirit and can replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. And that's what he wants to do. That's why he sent a son. And that's why the son voluntarily suffered on a cross. I want you to hear this, friends. For some of you, you need to open your heart today to the work of God through Jesus Christ. For some of us, we need to be re-impassioned. For the people that God has placed in our life that need salvation. We may live with them. We may live in their neighborhood. We may work with them. We may go to school with them. And we don't really think about it anymore. A friend of mine said to me a few weeks ago, and it's it's something I can't get out of my mind. He said that for us as Christians, the closest we will ever come to hell is living in this world. And for those who don't know Christ, the closest they will ever come to God is living in this world. When God pulls the light, his light, away from people in eternity, it's a hell that we can't even imagine. And friends, for those of us who know the light, it should move us in a powerful way to tell people about Jesus, to invite them to come and hear the good news that transformed my life and can transform their lives as well. And the final thing I want you to see, and I'll go through it quickly, how do I know I truly believe this is so amazing. I'm not going to, don't have time to really unpack it, but let me just say a couple things. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you are Israel's teacher and do not understand these things. These are elementary from the perspective of Jesus. Very truly, again, listen, Nicodemus, I tell you, we, who's, he, who's the we? Jesus, the disciples, John the Baptist, 
We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I talk of heavenly or spiritual things and you're not spiritually alive? What is he saying here? In the courts of that day, if you gave a testimony, a testimony was considered to be the greatest form of any kind of representation in a court. Jesus says, look at the evidence of what I teach, of what I, how I live, of the things that I do, of my miracles. Look at the transformation happening in my disciples. Look at the transformation of John the Baptist. Listen to his teaching. They bear testimony to what God has done and how he has sent us, and yet you do not believe. You do not see it because you are spiritually dead. You're spiritually dead. And then at the end, he says this. This is the, this is the verdict. Courtroom verdict. Light has come into the world. Jesus is the light. But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light. When we are not living as God intended, we don't want the light of the holiness of Jesus to shine into our lives because then we see the yuck of our lives. But friends, without understanding the yuck of our lives, we will never understand the power of the grace and love of God. We need to look at what is real about us. We need to understand the depth of our sin. Understanding the depth of my sin helps me to understand the depth of God's grace and mercy and love and goodness. And that is what Lent is all about. It's about understanding, allowing the light to shine upon the darkness of our hearts. But whoever lives by the light will come into the light. Whoever loves the light, who loves Jesus will come into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Friends, there is so much that God wants to say to us through this. What happens to Nicodemus? Well, we know that many chapters later, he's mentioned two more times in John, many chapters later, he is the one religious leader who defends Jesus among the religious community. And then when Jesus is crucified and dead, he spends his own money to buy all of these things that were used in that day to prepare the body for burial. I don't know. Nicodemus might have been born again. Nicodemus might have seen the light. Nicodemus might be one that we meet in heaven. How cool. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for all that you do and all that you have done. Lord, I thank you for the power of this incredible, incredible, incredible truth. Verily, verily, you say to us time and again. Very truly, I say time and again. It's a reminder to us that what? You have so many important things to say in this passage. Lord, we need a fire lit in our hearts. For those of us who understand and believe in the name of Jesus who have come alive spiritually. I pray, Lord, that we would be passionate about the good news of Jesus, that we would be those who represent you in this world and testify 
in this world for you. And Lord, for those who don't know today, I pray, God, that by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, God, would you bring them alive. May their hearts come alive today. May they come alive spiritually by choosing to believe that Jesus was God who came and died for them on a cross, that they might have life now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.